You're listening to the Violence Design Lab Podcast, Episode 3. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab Podcast, putting the science in theatrical violence. Now here's your host, David Barefoot. If you are in a show right now where you perform any kind of stage combat, I want you to stop what you're doing and go print out the instinctive fight acting reminder card that is this week's bonus content. Seriously, print it out, take it to the theater with you, and tape it up on your makeup mirror because you are going to use it to make tonight's fight rock. And you'll do it without changing one iota of your choreography. If you don't have a fight in a show running right now, or you're a designer who choreographs other people to fight, you'll still get a benefit from the card for your next fight show or in training the cast. And I'll remind you how to get the card near the end of the episode. Hi, I'm David Bareford from the ViolenceDesignLab.com. I've been training actors to fight for over 25 years now, and in that time, I've noticed a very common disconnect between the way actors approach a scene without violence and the way they approach their choreography of violence. Now, there are dozens and dozens of acting methods out there, and I don't pretend to be an expert on most of them. But at some point, most of these methods agree on a few commonalities. Actors have to know what their characters want, their goal, what they need, their objective. Having that end in mind, the characters then decide either consciously or unconsciously on a course of action they hope will get them what they want. This is often called their tactic, the action, or the plan, and that plan can change based on how their situation evolves or because of the actions and words of other characters. Finally, and different acting methods arrive at this part from many different angles. Characters react emotionally to the world of the play around them. They celebrate their triumphs, and they mourn their losses, and they engage in this constant back-and-forth struggle with the characters around them. Now, whether you learn Stanislavski or Strasberg or Adler or Meisner, Cohen or Mamet, you probably took in at least those three essential elements of modern acting. And then... You threw it all out when they put a sword in your hand or taught you a punch. The fight starts, and the acting stops, or at least slows. I've seen it again and again, from Chicago professional theater to suburban community theaters to high schools in the sticks. Now, no one means for this to happen. Actors don't suddenly say, well, I have a sword fight now, I can check out artistically. Of course not. But the human brain, amazing as it is, it can only process so much information at a time, which means it can get overloaded. Acting is very cerebral. While you're working on stage, your brain is doing amazing mental gymnastics. You're recalling memorized lines and blocking. You're making sure you're in the correct spot on stage and in the right light. You're wearing these unfamiliar and often strange clothes and trying to present them as your own. You're keeping track of an imaginary character and processing incoming body and verbal cues from other people through the filter of that character, making decisions on how that person would respond, and then expressing that response with your practice vocal and physical mimicry skills, cross-reference with your life observations of other people, and empathy projected into a hypothetical situation. Whew you got a lot going on, and that's just a regular scene. Now, add a sequence of highly precise physical movements involving the whole body, 
often with a steel object in your hand, performed at high speed in tandem with one or more other people with the knowledge that if any of the movements vary more than a fraction from the plan, the illusion will be broken, someone will get hurt, or both. (laughs) Frankly, I'm surprised anyone can act during a fight at all. Now, in my early years as a designer, I thought the answer to better acting during a fight was simply more rehearsal. You know, know your choreography so well that it takes almost no conscious thought to recall it. Like the words to Happy Birthday or the motions to the Macarena. Hold on, I think I just dated myself there. Anyway, I thought what was happening was that the actors were so busy trying to remember their moves that they didn't have the mental energy to act as well. You know what? I was wrong. See, if memorization was the real obstacle, learning fight choreography would just be like learning your lines or performing a dance routine as a character in a musical. I mean, dance is also a highly technical, choreographed, physical activity that can also be done at high speed with a partner, but actors don't seem to have persistent trouble remembering their dance and staying in character at the same time, right? But after designing hundreds of productions and observing thousands of fights, it's shown me that fight scenes are a completely different animal. You see, even when you have the choreography down cold, there is another huge obstacle to acting the fight that makes it unlike any other acting moment in a show. The difference is story density. Now, in a regular scene, characters are presented with a situation they want to change. They try different tactics that are either successful or not, and based on that outcome, they either advance toward their goal or they change their plan to deal with a new situation. Along the way, they react emotionally to what the other characters do to them. Now, these same kind of story moments, they happen in a fight as well. They just happen faster. I mean, incredibly faster by comparison. See, the rate of speech limits how fast a character can express a thought. It therefore takes several seconds of stage time and character interaction before one tactic can succeed or fail, and the next tactic can be attempted, and on and on. Even in a dance number, the character's tactic or their immediate goal doesn't usually change from one move to the next. But in a fight... A character can change from, he's trying to kill me, dodge that blade, to, I'm going to bash his head in with this club, to, why is there a sword in my intestines? And all of that in literal fractions of a second. See, these story moments, they come fast and furious because each sword cut, every block punch, each kick, represents a a tactical success or failure that the character has to process. And and new tactics are constantly being devised by the character, and pain from wounds is being processed on top of reacting emotionally in general to the specific nature of the scene and, and the relationship to the other character. When things are moving that fast... There literally isn't time to run everything through what you might call the, uh, the normal acting channels. In fact, if you force yourself to do that, you'll either slow the fight down so that the acting decisions aren't coming as fast, or you're going to shortchange your fight technique, possibly breaking the illusion or endangering your partner. So something has to give unless you can find a way to, as my friend Richard puts it, act faster. Now, the secret to that is what I call instinctive 
fight acting. When a real life and death situation strikes, the human mind has three major stress responses. Freeze, fight, or flight. These are like automatic behaviors. They're triggered by the lower brain, the, uh, the reptilian brain, which activates before the frontal lobe even gets involved. Now, these responses have been called your survival instinct, which probably isn't accurate, so I apologize to those behavioral psychologists out there who might be listening. And I also apologize because they obviously stumbled on the wrong podcast. But I like the term instinctive to describe the acting tips I'm about to tell you. The point is, at any rate, your body responds to these sudden incoming danger signals by selecting one of these responses before you can consciously decide. Now, note how simple the choices are. Freeze. Fight. Flight. They're not freeze, fight, or set up insurance actuary tables, right? They're simple. They're direct, actionable. And yes, freezing is a kind of action, just not a very wise one in most stressful situations. I mention all of this because a stage fight, while it is choreographed and planned in advance, is still moving at the speed of a real fight. And it presents many of the same stimuli to the brain. And these story events that are coming so densely, the brain cannot process them in time through the higher brain function that it uses for most acting. So, normally, it just ignores that part and directs your mental energy to the muscles doing the choreography. So now I'm circling back to that reminder card I mentioned at the top of the episode. Go to violencedesignlab.com and click the resources tab. You can sign up as a lab rat member. It's free. And then you can grab the uh, download content for episode number three. Now this card has three simple phrases on it. Once I explain them to you, they'll help you set up a process that moves your acting during a fight to a more shall I say, instinctual level, without sacrificing your character or believability. And these three steps have really helped actors I work with to rock their fights in short order. Ready to hear them? Okay, here we go. First phrase on the card is, what's my win picture? When your character starts a moment of violence, I want you to imagine what your win condition looks like. Are you trying to kill them in a sword duel? Well, then picture your sword in their chest and the look of shock on their face. Are you defending yourself against a middle school bully? Well, imagine your punch snapping his head back and how he slumps against the locker with the other kids cheering. What if your character is trying to escape? Well, imagine you running away freely with no pursuit. The key is to find a single image that shows how this fight ends in your best-case scenario. Now notice, I am not asking, what's your goal? In my experience, that question leads to actors answering in terms of words. They'll tell me, I want to drive off the prince and rescue the dragon, or whatever. But words are cerebral. They require higher brain functions for processing. Images are faster. They're more visceral. They process literally faster, and that's what we want. The next phrase on the card is, fight plans, not moves. Okay, your win picture is in your mind. Well, what's your first plan to achieve it? Know what you're trying to do. Now again, picture it in your mind. Don't plan it out in words. Now, this plan 
is not long. It certainly isn't your whole fight. It might be, I punch him in the face with my right hand. Or, I feint a head cut so that he raises his blade, then I cut under and slash open his belly. I mean, your plan might be a few moves in length, or it might be one move. But, in your mind, your plan always ends with an image of success. Very important. Now note, your first plan, even your second or third, will almost never work. You'll have to continually, you know, think up new plans on the fly as you adapt to what your opponent is doing. Choreography is the result of my plan smashing up against your plan and each of us reacting to the other to come up with new plans. Now, of course, you are always going to do the choreography as design. The plan you, quote, come up with will be the same every night. But if you think in a linear series of moves like the choreography lays it out for you, you know, I cut to your head and you parry five. You cut to my left arm and I parry four, etc. If you're doing that, you're working in actor-only mode. And your fight is going to look like, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. And it'll look like choreographed stage combat. It's not going to look like a fight that is believable in the world of the play. Now, the important thing to remember is that you, as the character, are desperately trying to make your plan happen, and you fully believe it'll succeed. Because if you didn't believe that, why would you try it? So, see, a fighter only changes their plan because their opponent, in some way, overcomes their plan or, or makes it too dangerous to continue, which usually means you stop attacking and you parry or duck or get out of the way of an incoming attack from the opponent. Now, That leads us to the third phrase on the card. And this one has two parts. First is, that didn't work. And, oh no! Or, oh dear! Or, oh, insert favorite expletive here. You see, probably better than 75% or more of your short-term fight plans will not achieve the goal you wanted. I mean, you had an amazing lunge, but she somehow parried. Or you punched him square in the jaw, but he's still standing. Remember how you fully believe your plan would work? Well, when it doesn't, your character needs to register some level of surprise or frustration. I mean, after all, the best plan you could think of failed to have the desired effect. Okay? The audience needs to see a moment, even just a flash, where we can tell you tried your best and it wasn't good enough. The common corollary to that didn't work is, oh no! These are the moments when your opponent's actions change your plan by threatening you with imminent bodily harm. You know, a knife comes stabbing for your guts. A roundhouse blinds inside you. Uh, A longsword arcs down at your head. Whatever it is, your plan changes in a fraction of a second, and everything is momentarily focused on you not dying. You parry, you block the punch, you leap back to avoid the flying chair, whatever. But the audience needs to see the danger. And the way they see the danger is by watching an actor recognize a threat and change their plan to deal with it. Here's a tip. If they don't see this, the fight won't seem scary. Take your average Steven Seagal movie. Seagal doesn't have oh-no moments very much in his fight. And consequently, no matter how skilled or badass his Aikido, we're not worried for him, so we're not as engaged. 
Now, Jackie Chan, on the other hand, is the black belt of the Ono. He's got five-minute fight sequences with little else, and I find him so much more entertaining to watch. And the interesting thing is, I think absolutely no less of his skill as a fighter, even though he seems constantly in danger compared to Seagal. So again, the three phrases of instinctive fight acting. What is my win picture? Fight plans, not moves. And that didn't work? Oh no! Now, what instinctive fight acting does is literally limit your acting options down to a select handful that you can decide on and perform at great speed. Does it limit the nuance possible for your character? Well, yes, on some level it certainly does. But the same is true in real life. See, if a a mugger is in the act of attacking you with a knife, your brain is going to automatically yell, Oh no! And it's going to tell your complex emotional reactions to take a back seat for a moment while you create a quick plan to not get stabbed. And if that response is good enough for a real fight, it's good enough for my stage fights. Now, if you found this information useful, please take a minute right now to review the podcast on iTunes and give it a five-star rating if you can. That moves my feet up the rankings and it helps other people find me. You can also find the lab on Facebook at facebook.com slash violence lab. And you can ask questions or leave comments for me there or on the website, violencedesignlab.com, by clicking the Ask David link on the menu bar. You can subscribe to regular email notifications of blog posts, podcast episodes, and new content by becoming a lab rat or by clicking the lab reports tab in the top right corner of the website. Once again, thanks for joining me and I look forward to talking with you next week. Until then, keep the fights on stage and peace in your life. David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com.